Welcome to the Perspectives on Healthcare podcast, where members of the medical community from different roles, venues, and locations share their unique perspectives on quality healthcare, its future, and how to improve it. Now, from the Your Keynote Speaker Studio in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, here is your host, Rob Oliver. Thank you, and I appreciate you being with me today for another perspective on healthcare. Today's perspective comes from Linda Schultz. She is known in the spinal cord community as Nurse Linda. She is a certified rehab nurse with a PhD in nursing research. As I mentioned, she is uh, she has a specialty in spinal cord injury, which of course is near and dear to my heart. She is from the state of Missouri and a member of the baby boomer generation. Uh, Nurse Linda, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Rob. It's very nice to be with you today. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your role in healthcare, please. Well, you know, I started out in uh, nursing 45 years ago, so that's a pretty long time. I used to call myself the Betty White of nursing. I think if you just hang on long enough, you know, people start noticing you because you're, you know, because you've been around for so long. But actually, I've met um, a lot of people who have been in rehab nursing longer than me. So, you know, it, it really is an area that people, if you like it, you love it. And that's just that's just the way it is. So I started out at what some uh, individuals in the spinal cord injury community will remember as, as the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago. And that's where I first started in my rehab nursing career and never have left it. Of course, rehab, um, RIC, the Rehab Institute of Chicago is now the Shirley Ryan Laboratories. So it's, you know, it's all changed, but you know, those were, those were fun times, different times. So, you know, things evolve and change for, and for the better, fortunately, but boy, those were some swell years. (laughs) Excellent. Can you talk to me a little bit about what is it about the rehab, the rehab setting that kind of drew you and that, that kind of called to you, if you don't mind? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, um, in nursing, it's, um, you know, people usually think of hospital care. People go into nursing because usually of what they've seen on TV, or maybe they've had a person in their family that's had some experience, and so they usually go into that kind of care. I had some experience with long-term health care issues in my own family, and so when I was um, in nursing school, I I was, you know, doing my um, rotations on, in the different hospital units, learning about different kinds of nursing. And, and it was kind of disappointing to me because you'd see somebody maybe for a shift, maybe you'd get, have them for two shifts and then they'd be gone and you would just never see them. You never built any kind of relationships with people. And I am a people person, which I have reestablished during the COVID isolation period because I was just like, I've got to be talking to people. I've got to be finding out what's going on. And so uh, I'm just a people person. So I like to establish that relationship, that ongoing relationship with people. That's, that's what really drives me and I like it. And so rehab is a place where you can do that. Yeah. It's very interesting to hear you say that because I was imagining it rehab seems to be one of the more positive element, uh, positive areas of, 
of medicine from this perspective, and that is your people, your likelihood of discharging people um, into the community is much higher than, say, you know, an oncology uh, where you're you're watching you're watching people get weaker and weaker over the course of time, as opposed to rehab where you're watching people get stronger and stronger. Uh, and I realized that it's it's kind of the it's a catch twenty two from the perspective that people are dealing with loss, but they are the loss happens and then you're able to move forward from that. It, it, am I? Does that make sense to you, or am I kind of overgeneralizing on that? Oh no, I I think you're very right, and I think a lot of times that particular point is overlooked. When you meet somebody for the first time in the rehab setting, they're at probably the lowest point of their life. They've been through, you know, you wouldn't be in a rehab setting unless something catastrophic has happened. And so I think that's uh, one of the issues that is really important for the rehab nurses to help the patient work through those dealings. Now, only the patient can do that. You can help them, but only the patients, the individual who's had this event happen their families are included in the process as well, but you can only help guide them. They have to kind of come to this on their own terms. So everybody's a little bit different on that. But when you can help somebody see a future, that is really a wonderful gift that you can receive yourself as well as to give to somebody when you can visualize a future. Sure. So I've, let me just be upfront with this. I was, I have a spinal cord injury, so I was in rehab for six months and four months of that was in a, you know, a rehab setting. And I will give a shout out to my rehab nurse. Her name was Kim Riley and Mm -hmm. she was someone who fantastic nurse, but she also was somebody who made me smile and made me laugh. And so it was helping me to understand that yes, where I was, was difficult and I'm dealing with loss, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that you can't still find the humor and the the, the fun parts in life. So she was amazing. Go, Kim Riley. Uh, what does quality healthcare mean to you? Well, you know, that kind of stems from what we were just talking about is being able to find that middle ground. You know, a lot of a lot of individuals come in and they have notions like they've seen on TV um, and, you know, about what healthcare is going to be and um, they'll have every service and every resource and everything's going to be provided for them. And it's getting that transition to learning about how to use the resources that you have. So it's kind of that getting quality in healthcare is finding out what the needs and desires of the, of the individual are and, how you can best serve that individual with what's available. So it is unfortunate that not everyone in our society and around the world has the same advantages that every other person has. But the reality of it is people don't. People have different income levels. They have different education levels. They have different cultural beliefs. And you need to take all of that information to find out some way that you can organize care um, that will will be satisfactory to that particular patient and their family. And, you know, that that can be a lot of things. I know um, when I worked in Seattle, we had a, a 
high number of individuals from the Asian population. And one of their cultural um, healing methods that they use is to place like red felt over joints or where things are heard or how things are. And um, so, you know, in rehab, there's a lot of moving around. There's a lot of turning in the middle of the night. There's, a, there's just a lot of movement, which should be, there should be a lot of movement there, but, you know, in being able to take those patch cloth, red cloth patches, turn somebody at night and put them on, even though they're sleeping, even though they don't know they're there, but to be able to put them on in the places where they are so that they have that satisfaction that they are going to have that healing from their cultural beliefs and that sort of, so it's putting all those, all those pieces of the pie together. Um, you know, I think about individuals that are going home in uh, power wheelchairs that are going home to a mobile home. And how do you get that chair in the mobile home? And, you know, how do you deal with all that? Maybe they are only able then to sit in their living room or, you know, that might be it, or even to get them through a door, to get through the bathroom in a regular, um, in a, a nailed to the ground kind of house. So sure. it's figuring out all those little details and looking at the minutiae, things that people don't think about and things that, think that um, people do think about, you know, just trying to figure it all out. Sure. And you've done this a little bit already. Can you give me an example of quality healthcare? Okay, yes, I can, you know, back from my days at RAC, this is what really was one of the hooks for me into this whole um, rehab process. And that would be, you know, you're a new graduate right out of school, where do they put you on the night shift? You know, <laughs> that's just the way it works, the less resources, and you're out there being like, ah, what's happening? And uh, there are resources, but you know, not a lot like on day shift or whatever. And so um, I would, you know, we worked the three eights then, three shifts a day, you know, it wasn't like right. it is now. And uh, so I would go in, make my rounds about, you know, you get there at 11, get report, start making rounds on the floor. And invariably, there would be some person there with spinal cord injury, and they would still be awake. And you'd go in, you'd turn, catheterize, you know, whatever you needed to do. And they'd still be awake. And you'd, so you'd be like, well, gee, you're, you're awake late tonight. You know, something going on. And, you know, just try to kind of see. And, oh, yeah, well, the doctor says I have some, some uh, rattling in my lungs. And I have pneumonia. And I'm really worried about it. If it, You know, if it doesn't get better, I'm going to have to go back to the hospital. It's going to set me back and I could die, you know, and, and they, you know, it would be the, it would be the same scenario with different people at different times. So I would say, well, you know, there's this thing called the incentive spirometer and we'd look for it. Usually it would still be in the package in the room, you know, and I'd say, you know, these seem to work now. If you, if you are willing, when I come in every two hours and turn you, I wake you up and have you use the incentive spirometer and, I trust me in the morning, everything will be fine. So you can go to sleep because I'm going to come in and wake you up and we'll do it. But, you know, if you say in the middle of the night, I don't want to do this, then okay, that's fine. But, you know, you should really give this a try. Well, I never even, never even one time had any patient in those two hour turns say, oh no, I'm sleeping. I'm too tired. You know, get away. They'd always do it. In the morning, the doctors would come around about seven o'clock. So, you know, you'd still be there finishing up. 
doctors would listen to the lungs. Well, I just, I can't believe it. You know, you were in bed all night and you know, that's when fluids tend to pool in the lungs when you're laying around and it's all cleared up. I just can't believe it. And so the patient would wink at me. I'd wink at the patient and off we'd go, you know? And so I think that's one of those examples of really providing quality care. You know, the patient's worried about something. They don't know what the solution is. Oh, but you have some information. So you can provide that work together. And that was one, one issue where the problem was solved overnight. Can you imagine if only all of rehab problems could be solved overnight? That would be wonderful. But I think that's the kind of, of quality issue that I think about. What can I do to help somebody's life improve? And so that that was really that really set me on the path of providing what I can for individuals. You know, it's real easy to go in and say, oh, I see you're not asleep or gee, try to get some sleep and, you know, just pass over it real quickly. But obviously, if somebody's not sleeping in the middle of the night, you know, I know what's going on. And then waiting to hear what is their issue instead of, oh, well, are you uncomfortable? You know, instead of shooting for, well, let me tell you all the things that could be wrong with you. I'll let, I would like to listen and hear what you have to say. So I think listening and responding, that really is quality of care. Yeah, a point well made. What do you wish people understood about your role in healthcare? Well, you know, I do a, I do a lot of uh, work now for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Paralysis Foundation, which I absolutely love. I have never met a group of people that are so fine and excellent and true to what they want to do. And so it's just been a wonderful experience. I feel like I've been um, educating myself through my whole career for this moment. It's just like, you know, and, and being a part of that baby boom generation, you know, to think about doing um, webinars and writing blogs, it's like, oh, I don't know. That's kind of for the younger kids, you know, but, but I have found a niche there and, you know, it's just been fabulous. So I think what I would like for people to know in nursing there's more to being at the bedside one-on-one. On, one on one. Now, that is critically important. It's a very essential thing, and those bedside nurses deserve every kudos they could possibly get um, because it's really difficult work. It's challenging. It's emotionally exhausting. It's physically challenging. But um, to think about nursing in a broader perspective and that is that there's there's nursing also of communities. And really, that's what I do is nurse more communities. It's more general kinds of things. But, you know, if somebody is having an issue or concern or problem and they're at home and they'll, um, you know, write in what their problem is or ask on a webinar or something, you can bet there's 10,000 other people out there that have that same issue. And they're like, oh, okay, now now I understand. So, you know, there are all kinds of people who call or write in and they have their own particular issue. Sometimes they're connected with a spinal cord injury specialist. And sometimes they'll write in and they'll say, you know, I want to know about such and so. What information can you give me so I can ask the doctor appropriate questions? Because I don't know what to ask about this. And so that's, that's again, just that's sharing some knowledge. Sometimes people will write in and say, I have a problem. This is what my problem is. And I'll be like, oh, 
uh, you better call the doctor right now and talk to your healthcare professional, you know, because everybody's different. Mm. I only know what people tell me. I don't know everybody's history and, you know, they, they might be having some problem about, I don't know, uh, spasticity. And I don't know, they have a stage four grade four pressure injury, you know, because they, they, they don't put those two things together. So it's, it's a very, um, interesting world to be in, but it's really nice because you can give general information. You can give very specific information. It's all about directing that patient. Now, some people don't have a spinal cord injury specialist, and so they don't know, or sometimes people write in and they're just kind of, I was giving this information. I'd like to check to make sure that is accurate. And again, you're just kind of like, well, okay, I only know this part that you're telling me about it, but but, you know, we try to go, I try to go over everything from A to B because somebody asks about spasticity or tone, we call it tone now, you know, um, but everybody calls it spasticity in the community. But, um, you know, you start at the beginning with a treatment, you kind of work all through it to try to capture more people. It's interesting now at the Christopher and Dana Reed Paralysis Foundation, we have slightly more people who are um, checking in about paralysis from stroke and from other things, mm. you know, people identify if they have a spinal cord injury from a disease like multiple sclerosis, they identify with the disease, multiple sclerosis, and they don't stop and think, but my problems are paralysis. And so people with stroke, other diseases, you know, it's, it's, it's a paralysis foundation. So it's spinal cord injury. That's the heart of it, but there's a lot more that goes on there. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you talk about the functional side of it rather than the diagnostic side of it, which is, which is a, a unique approach. What excites you about the future of healthcare? Well, you know, what a, what a wonderful question, because right now we're in one of those curves, you know, research ebbs and flows. Treat, which makes treat new treatments ebb and flow. And right now we're high in the, re, in the research release of information. And so some people are very excited about this. There's also a population that is not at all interested in any of the research or the new findings until it becomes real. And that's perfectly fine. And I, being that I've worked, um, I worked with Christopher Reeve in his recovery project. So I am really personally interested in a lot of the stimulation treatments and the advances that are going on. And so right now I'm really excited about all of that, but we have to realize that there are people who are interested in it and there are people who are not. So it's not like, oh, we have this new thing. Everybody go out and get it. But I do like to say there's this new thing. Let's learn about it. Mm. Because if you don't know about it, or if you, you know, if you're saying, I'm not interested in hearing anything about that at all, you can't really formulate an opinion about why you're not interested in it. Or maybe if you hear about it, you might think, well, gee, maybe I am interested in that. So there's just, we're riding this wave of all these research results that are coming out, some that are directly on for spinal cord injury treatments, and some are other kinds of things. And people don't realize that those other kinds of things eventually are going to come into the world. So any bit of research that helps one group helps every group. So right now I'm really keyed up about these um, 
um, pig transplants that they're doing. I know this sounds kind of, kind of weird. You know, I'm a, I'm a whole lot of fun on a Saturday night. Let's talk about research. Uh, but, but, you know, they're doing these uh, proof of concept, which is very, very, very beginning um, transplants of pig cell, uh, pig solid organs. They've done kidneys and they did a pig heart transplant. These are proof of concept. These are not for everybody, but you know, the pig is very compatible to the human. And so that's where we get insulin. But when you do larger transplants, um, there's a, a gene, well, they say one gene, but it's really about 23 genes that have to be altered to be compatible. So if you think about the fact that they can they're starting to do these transplants of organs into humans without having all the anti-rejection factors that, you know, have to be dealt with. I mean, you know, this just has so many implications for people with other kinds of healthcare problems and injuries. So, you know, things are really, things are really, things are really popping right now in the research world. Now I have a lot of people who ask me about stem cell transplants because you know, that was so big and people are so disappointed. What happened to it? Well, it's still there and they're still working on it. And we're going to see that rise up again. So it's going to be combinations of treatments, different treatments for different people, depending on what your issues are. So right now research is really, um, really firing away, which is going to help everyone, no matter what your healthcare concerns are. So that's what's got me fired up. Uh, and it's obvious that you share that with great passion. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do. Okay. We are out of time, but I got to ask you my last question. What mm -hmm. is one thing medical professionals can start doing today to improve the quality of healthcare? Well, it sounds old and cliche, but listen to your patients because they will tell you exactly what their issues and concerns are. Sometimes, you know, with healthcare being consolidated, you only have 15 minutes with a patient and then you have to move on. You have to get through so much information that sometimes people are only giving, now this is what you need to do and then you need to do this and then you need to do that. Take a couple of minutes and say, what is your major concern? And start from there. So that's, again, going back to that quality of issue of listening to what people have to tell you. A, a very practical suggestion, I think, um, for, and what a great way to end our conversation today. Listen, Nurse Linda, thank you so much for being with me. I appreciate you for what you're doing, and I appreciate you sharing your perspective on healthcare. Thanks for listening to Perspectives on Healthcare. Visit PerspectivesOnHealthcare.com to learn more about Rob Oliver or to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If this podcast was valuable, we'd appreciate a review on iTunes. Or if you tell a friend or coworker about the show, that would be helpful too. Join us again next time for more Perspectives on Healthcare.